Thank you for joining us today for the Church of Rock Calgary podcast. If you'd like to find out more about us or have any questions, please email info at cotrcalgary.ca. We hope you enjoy today's message. Well, I have to say I'm, I'm excited to share um, with you all this morning. I, uh, I've been chatting with Ian over these last few weeks uh, about the race and sort of walking through the first few verses of Hebrews uh, 12. And I've been encouraged over these last couple weeks. Um, Ian, uh, on, on week one, he shared about the idea of the great cloud of witnesses that are cheering us on and what it means for us to be a part of this journey of faith together throughout the generations. And then on week two, uh, Ian continued by talking about throwing off what hinders. And you begin to weave in for us this idea of what it means for us to be forerunners and for us to look to the great forerunner that is Jesus. And and I have to say, Ian and Val, um, they they just want to send a a bit of a hello. Um, They're on a a trip right now. They've been ministering in uh, Sturgis, Michigan, uh, which is a place that's very near and dear to D&I's heart. We spent about six months um, living uh, at that church while living with the leaders of that church in Sturgis. So they're ministering there uh, this morning, and then they're going to be doing some other work there, and then then making their way towards AMP, and they'll be back next weekend. So we can continue to be holding them up uh, in prayer as a community. But like I said, we've been kind of working through uh, Hebrews 12 in these first sort of few v- verses. And, and I don't know about you, but, it, but, but for me, that there's such rich passages. There's so many little things that we could begin to unpack. So, so when I was asked to speak on week three and some of the things that we're going to be talking about this morning, I was, I was honestly truly, truly excited. So let's again, let's, let's look at Hebrews uh, 12 together. We'll throw it up on the screen. It says, therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance to the race marked out for us fixing our eyes on Jesus the pioneer and perfecter of our faith for the joy set before him he endured the cross scorning its shame and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God consider him who endured such oppression from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart Today we are focusing on that little middle section. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The race marked out for us. Now when I was asked to speak, I was honestly excited because this idea of the race marked out for us ultimately for me speaks of calling. What are we called to as people? You see, it's funny, really, in the church, we mention and talk about the idea of calling a ton, but we rarely really unpack it. We say, well, I I feel called to this, or I feel called to that. I don't know if you've heard these phrases in the church at all. I heard the call. I heard what God called me to do, and and what it means for us to live out of what God's called us to do. We say things like, well, what do you feel called to, or do you feel like God's calling you to that, Or, or do you have a sense of God's call? But sometimes we don't really clarify what we mean, or really what it should mean. You see, for, for me, if we are called to a race to run and the race marked out for us, well, what does that look like? How do, how do we know that we are running the race marked out for us? What specifically does that look like? What generally does that look like? You see, friends, this is a huge topic and one that honestly that I'd love to explore over a, a series, an entire teaching series. I was joking with Ian, I could probably preach for a year on the idea of calling. But specifically, um, this morning, what I want to address is the overarching call that we all have as followers of Jesus. And honestly, I believe that as we live into that identity more 
and more the specific calls that we have on our individual lives from God, they sort of begin to fall in line. Here's what I mean. In Hebrews 12, we read, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. The Passion Translation says it like this, run life's marathon race with passion and determination for the path has already been marked out for us. So the question for us is who has marked out the race for us? And yes, this is a Sunday school answer they would ask in that little room right there. It is Jesus. You see, when we look at the race, we have to look to Jesus. When we speak of calling, we must first address our primary core call. And that call is to follow Jesus, to become disciples of Jesus. Now, as we jump in this morning, I want to do something a little bit different. I want to start with a quiz. Yes, a pop quiz. Now, some of us have been out of school for a little bit, and, and uh, so maybe it's just time for a little quick test. Now, don't worry if you're, if you're new around here. I'm not going to put you on the spot, or I'm not going to take in the results of the quiz or anything like that. I just kind of want to push you guys in your thinking a little bit. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read out a series of statements. I'm going to put them up on the screen, and you're just going to do your best to try to remember in your mind if you think that those statements are true or if you think that those statements are false. Are you with me? Cool. A couple people are. Addison's with me. That's great. He's like, test? I'm in. This sounds awesome. Okay, so the first one is, a disciple is just a spiritually mature Christian. So you don't have to, you don't have to answer. You don't have to answer. <laughs> so what do you think? So in your, own, in your own mind, true or false, a disciple is just a spiritually mature Christian. Next one, a disciple of Jesus is a Christian, but not all Christians are disciples. So think about that. Next one. And we're not saying them out loud. Next one. Next one. Disciple making is one of several important ministries of the church. Disciple making is one of several important ministries of the church. Fourth one. Discipleship involves the training and growth of believers as opposed to the evangelism of non-believers. So differentiating discipleship and evangelism. And the last one. The church should be more concerned with people becoming believers as opposed to making disciples. How do you feel like you did? You think you got them? Who, who would feel like they got them all right? They would just kind of put their hand up and go, I got them, I got them all right. Yeah, Addison is feeling pretty confident. What, what, what would you say if I told you that they were all something? They were either all true or they were all false. You see, the, the, the truth is that it is actually false for all of them. Because the statements are written intentionally with the idea of differentiating being a believer or following Jesus and being a disciple. You see, sometimes we get the idea that a disciple is really a next level believer of Jesus, like a, follow, like a Jesus follower 2.0. But there is no distinction between believer or Christian in the scriptures and disciple. That distinction is nowhere. And more than that, the purpose of the church, which is the people of God. Now, when I, when I say the church, I don't mean a building. I don't mean an institution or an organization. I mean a body of people. I mean a group of people, because that is what the church is. The mission that Jesus calls his body to is to make disciples. 
In Matthew 28, Jesus gave this great commission to his early followers, and he said, um, all authority on heaven and earth has been given to me. Just for a second, how much authority did Jesus have? All authority. So maybe if he's utilizing all the authority he has, which is all authority, literally in heaven and earth, all the authority that you can muster or imagine, he's using it to sort of commission, to send out, to say, I think he's just putting a couple exclamation points. Hey, guys, this is really important. All authority. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you to the very end of the age. You see, the mission that Jesus sends his church, us, his people on, is to make disciples. So we can ask, what is a disciple? When the scriptures, if we were to unpack that word, a simple definition for a disciple would be a follower or a learner or a pupil. But, but I think even better than that, because sometimes a follower, a learner, makes us think that it's just a cerebral thing. It's just something, well, I, I just believe in Jesus. I believe I'm following him. More than that, it's an apprentice of the master. That the idea of a disciple is it actually implies a training relationship. Now, personally, I love this idea of apprentice. I think apprentice is actually a better word right now in our culture for what it means to be a follower of Jesus. And the reason why is because it communicates the heart of an active nature of being a follower of Jesus. You see, we are called disciples in the New Testament, and we're invited into that. Jesus calls us to be his disciples. We are called disciples in the, in the New Testament 250 times. We are called Christians three times. You see, the problem with the term believer or Christian is, like I said, sometimes it communicates a worldview or it communicates a belief statement or an ideology, but that is not what we are called to. We are called to be disciples or better yet, apprentices, and that communicates so much more and all of life experience following Jesus. And not just following, but, but as Jesus says in Luke 6, 40, the student is not above the teacher, but everyone who is fully trained will be like their teacher. You see, we are called disciples, and this relationship um, is, the, is the relationship that Jesus has called us into. I love the, what the message translation, how it kind of depicts uh, Luke 6, 40. It says, he quoted a proverb talking of Jesus. It says, can a blind man guide a blind man? Won't they both end up in the ditch? It's kind of a weird question. It's kind of a weird sort of idea. It says an apprentice doesn't lecture the master. The point is to be careful who you follow as your teacher. You see, what Jesus is communicating, which is so important and true, is that we are all being discipled in one way or another that we are all following, that we are all being led, that we are all in a process of becoming. The question is, what are we being discipled into? Are we, are we allowing ourselves to be discipled or trained or apprenticed by the media, by materialism, by individualism, by, by the gods of consumption? Or are we being discipled into what it means to be a follower of Jesus? Are we being discipled that we need to believe that we need to look out for number one? That we need to, that we, the, 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 the idea in our culture that God helps those who help themselves. Or that he who dies with the most toys wins. Maybe you've heard these statements before. Are we being discipled by the gods of money or fame or power or prestige or control? Whatever teaching the world has to offer, the question we can ask is where does this lead? 
What does this look like if we allow ourselves to become discipled by those things instead of, the, of as being discipled as followers of Jesus? You see, we all have different experiences coming to Jesus. The moments where we reach out to God and accept his love and his grace and his forgiveness. The moments where we give our lives up to him and we are made new. Moments where we are baptized and we truly believe in Jesus as a savior. But the thing is, is that Jesus isn't just savior. He is Lord. You see, the beautiful thing is that Jesus took on flesh and blood. And it says in, in, in the New Testament that he moved into the neighborhood in John. It's that he actively showed what God is like and what life lived perfectly for God looks like. You see, we needed a savior, but we also needed a Lord. We needed a teacher. We needed a master. We needed someone to pattern our lives after, not just concepts of hope or peace or love, but real life. And this is what Jesus offers us. This is one of the gifts of Jesus's life, to live and pattern our lives after his. Hugh Halter says it like this. He's a pastor um, from the States. He says, we buy into the saving work of Jesus big time, but we dodge his words and his life as prototypical for the authentic Christian life. You see, this is what we are called to as disciples, followers of Jesus, active following. Are you with me? Are you tracking with me? In Ephesians 5, it gives us a great picture of this. It says this, watch what God does and then you do it. Like children who learn proper behavior from their parents, mostly what God does is love you. Keep company with him and learn a life of love. I love that. Observe how Christ loved us. His love is not cautious, but extravagant. He didn't love in order to get something from us, but to give everything of himself to us. Love like that. Continues later on in, in verse nine. The bright light of Christ makes your way plain. So no more stumbling, stumbling around. Get on with it. The good, the right, the true. These are the actions appropriate for daylight hours. Figure out what will please Christ and then do it. Don't waste your time on useless work, mere busy work, the barren pursuits of darkness. And then he concludes sort of the idea in, in verse 17. Don't live carelessly unthinking. Make sure you understand what the master Jesus wants. You see, I love it how Ephesians 5, it sort of ramps up the importance, the urgency of what it really means to live as a disciple or an apprentice, actively seeking to know what the master wants for us. You see, when we think about this idea of the road marked out for us, when we think about calling, for many of us, if we're honest, it can be a huge tripping point. Because we have big questions about our purpose and our calling. But the important thing to discover is the big picture calling that we all have as disciples of Jesus. And that, friends, is to be a disciple. To be apprentices of Jesus and to walk out all that he has for us. It's like in my own life when I think of calling, I can see the big picture and then the personal um, specific callings that I've had. So for me, I, I, I feel that sense of calling to be a disciple of Jesus, but I also have those specific callings. For me, over these last sort of six months, I felt a, a real clear um, calling from God to come back to Calgary and to see what it is that he was up to. 
Um, you know, honestly, I felt called to plug into this church and just see what God was up to around here. And now I have a sense of calling to step in here and even come on staff here to sort of see what God is up to. But you see the big picture calling over my life to live as a disciple of Jesus, that big picture didn't change. It's the little specifics that sometimes change along the way. So sometimes we find ourselves in a place where we have a strong sense of God's calling. We have a strong sense of the specifics. And for those of us that would find ourselves in those places this morning, I would say live into that call. Say yes to all that Jesus has for you. If you have a, a specific call in terms of where you're working or where you're living or some of the people that you're investing in, if you have a sense of that, then say yes to that. Trust God. Lean into his faithfulness and deep dive into those specific callings. But the, the caution that I would give you is don't miss, don't miss the big picture call on your life and get lost in the specifics. For some of us, sometimes we, even for me, coming back to Calgary, I sort of have a sense of God's call coming back to Calgary. But the thing that I've been reminded of again and again and again as I've been here is, Joel, first and foremost, you are called to be my disciple. So continue leaning into that call because that call is so vital and so important. And honestly, we'll just mess up all the specific calls if we're not leaning into that big, big picture one. And likely, sorry, and likewise, for those of us that maybe feel like we're a bit lost in the specific call. And I've been through seasons like that myself, where we're just not really too sure what God has for us, what he created us for specifically, what work he has for us here and now. Sometimes they'll have us questioning all sorts of things, where we're living or what we're doing or the job that we have or all those sort of things. That's okay. My encouragement for you is press into your call to follow Jesus. Press in as a disciple. Say yes to that relationship. And I believe that as we get closer and closer to Jesus' heart, as we press in as a disciple of Jesus, um, he, he, he begins to make our way straight. He begins to reveal the path for us. He will begin to order our steps, as it says in the scriptures. So the question for me this morning, and maybe for us, is what does it really mean to be a disciple of Jesus? That if this call is so big and so important to us, then what does it really mean for us? Now, for me, I've been on a bit of a journey in sort of unpacking this and, and discovering this over these last few years. And I have a bit of a working understanding of discipleship that I'd like to share um, with you guys this morning. And for me, the core of it has us living into three core focuses. So if we're going to be a disciple of Jesus, and if you're someone that likes writing stuff down, this might be worth writing down. And mainly because it's not me, it's a, a series of pastors and leaders and theologians that lean heavily on Dallas Willard for some of this stuff, if you're familiar with him, a theologian and teacher. But three core focuses of what it means for us to be disciples of Jesus, and the first is that we spend time with Jesus. You see, our first goal as followers of Jesus needs to be living in constant connection with God. We must take time to be with Jesus, to be aware of him in every moment of our lives. It is something that we talk about time and time again, and we talk about it because it's so vitally important. So how do we spend time with Jesus? Well, we lean in to some of the practices of Jesus' followers over the last 2,000 years. 
We practice silence and solitude. We practice community with other Jesus followers. We practice spending time reading the scriptures. We practice time in prayer or fasting or holy rest or journaling. You know, we spend time, we sit and we be still with our master and we, and we press our ear close to his heart and say, Jesus, what do you have for me? What do you have for those around me? We press into that. You see, our walk as disciples starts with time spent with Jesus. And then the second vital component to our apprenticeship to Jesus is that we actually become like Jesus. You see, so we spend time with him, and then what? We spend time with Jesus in order to become like Jesus, to take on his very heart, to take on his passion, to take on the direction of Jesus. You see, we allow ourselves to be transformed from the inside out to become like our master. You see, it can't just be time spent. We need to grow into the likeness of Jesus, taking on the characteristics and mind of Jesus. And what does it look like for us to become like Jesus? Well, we begin to invest in community because he was, he was a community, he was a relational person. We begin to know ourselves. Jesus had a clear sense of who he was and what God called him to. We begin to practice forgiveness and grace and love like we read about in Ephesians 5. We begin to live, we begin to embody love all around us. And we begin to carry the passion and the perspectives of Jesus. You see, how we start to ask more, how would Jesus respond in this situation? How would he respond? That's a question I would ask of you. If you're beginning to sort of dig into this becoming like Jesus, you begin to ask the questions, how would Jesus respond to this situation at work? How would Jesus respond to this situation with my spouse or with my kids? How would he respond? Not just what would he do, but how would he respond? What would his posture be? What would his heart be? What would, his, what would he be thinking in this moment? And then, so again, we're, we're spending time with Jesus. We're becoming like Jesus. And then the third vital component is that we do what Jesus did. I think on the screen I have doing Jesus stuff. Or I'd even go so far as to say doing Jesus-y stuff. Doing Jesus' stuff. You see, as apprentice of Jesus, we are not only called to follow him in spirit, we are called to continue his work on earth as it is in heaven. You see, the end goal is to do what he did. It cannot be the goal, sorry, it can't just be a goal to spend time with him and to become like him. Um, it needs to propel us to move, to love. You see, love is an action word. Time spent with Jesus means truly becoming like him, and that spurs us into action. So what, it is, what is it that Jesus did? What is it that he was about? Well, he spent time preaching. He spent time sharing the good news of the kingdom of heaven with those that were around him. He spent time in community. He spent time healing. He spent time with people. Once again, he was so relational, right? He spent time doing justice, flipping over tables. He spent time peacemaking. He spent time praying and prophesying. He spent time standing up against corruption, so we spend time with Jesus to become like him, to actually do what Jesus did. Dallas Willard says it like this. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. I'll let that sink in for a second. Discipleship is the process of becoming who Jesus would be if he were you. Now, for, for a lot of us, maybe we grew up in, in the church and maybe we had those WWJD 
bracelets, right? So the, what would Jesus do? And, and, that, and that to me, like, I love the sentiment behind it. I think it sort of speaks to what we're talking about here right now. But there's also a bit of a disconnect there because it's like, like for me, like I was, you mean in grade nine and I was chasing after girls or whatever. And, and I was like, well, WWJD, like what would Jesus do right now? It's like, I, I don't know, actually. Like, like what would like a first century rabbi be doing Chasing girls at junior high. Maybe he wouldn't. Maybe that's the thing I was missing. But but you know what I mean? Like, it's a bit of a weird illustration. Like, what would Jesus do? Like, right now, what would Jesus do at your workplace as an accountant or as a nurse or as a welder or whatever it is that you find yourself? What would Jesus do? It's like, I don't really know what he would do. But the question we can ask is, what would Jesus do if he were you? What would Jesus do if, if he were in your context? If he, if he had your skill set or even your relationships, how would he respond how would he reach out? How would he embrace those that were around him? How would he offer grace or love or forgiveness? Who would Jesus, what would it look like for Jesus to be you? You see, this is the rhythm for us as disciples. You see, we don't just stop being disciples at some point either. We don't graduate. We actually continue in this rhythm daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly. Again, living into this apprenticeship of Jesus, spending time with Jesus, becoming like Jesus, and doing what Jesus did, or what Jesus would do if he were you. Now, at the very beginning, we looked at this idea of Hebrews 12, and the passage that specifically we're talking about today is, let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. I don't know if you noticed, but I completely just bypassed perseverance. We just jumped, we just sort of deep dive straight into the race marked out for us. And I did that for a reason. And the reason that I did that is I do think that if we live into this reality for us as disciples, if we live into this spending time with Jesus, becoming like him and doing what he did, what it does is it propels us, it gives us perseverance, it gives us perspective, it gives us vision and passion and vigor to live the lives that he's called us to live. And the reason why is because when I think about perseverance, I look to the early church. So I look to the original disciples that followed Jesus, that were literally apprentices of Jesus. They got to watch what he did and then follow in his footsteps. And what did they see? Well, they got to see a savior that didn't have it easy all the time. They got to see a savior that, that faced opposition and persecution and oppression, right? So when you think about getting closer and closer to Jesus, of course that would, that would propel you to persevere, right? When you look at the, the apostles, you mean some of those early disciples of Jesus, it says most of them were all martyred for their faith. And when you think about that, you're like, oh my goodness, like how could you persevere to that level? What does that look like? Well, they watched their master die. They watched him be crucified for what it is that Jesus was trying to, to, to make a way for on this earth. So, so, what, so what, is, what is it that they had? Well, they, they saw this model. They saw what Jesus had for them. And, and, what, and what happens as we, as we begin to spend time with Jesus, as we begin to get, to get closer to his heart, is what happens is we begin to worry less about our own needs. We begin to worry less about our own wants. And I'm not saying this is easy. I'm not saying that I have this all figured out. 
But I think what the disciples get got and what they can teach us is that if we get close to Jesus, if we get close to his teaching and his story and all that he was doing, and we also get close to him in a personal relationship with him, we see what he modeled for us. And he modeled for us perseverance. So in light of all of this this morning, I want to challenge you. And maybe some of you are wondering, oh, it's about time he challenged us. And maybe for some of you, you're also wondering, well, as if we haven't just been challenging me for the last 25 minutes. But nevertheless, I want to challenge you this morning. In 2 Corinthians 13, verse 5 to 9, Paul writes this. And I want to challenge us with it. It says, test yourselves to make sure you are solid in the faith. Don't drift along taking everything for granted. Give yourselves regular checkups. You need firsthand evidence, not mere hearsay, that, the Jesus, that Jesus Christ is in you. Test it out. If you fail the test, do something about it. I hope the test won't show that you failed, but if it comes to that, we'd rather the test showed our failure than yours. We're rooting for the truth to win out in you. We couldn't possibly do otherwise. But we don't just put up with our limitations. We celebrate them. And then we go on to celebrate every strength, every triumph of the truth in you. Paul says to, his, to, his, um, to the church, and I, I believe he would say to us, we pray hard that we will all come, that this will all come together in your lives. So what we're going to do this morning is we are going to have another quiz. But this one, again, an internal one for those of us that would say that we are followers of Jesus. And it's a really simple one, too. In Galatians 5, it talks about what our lives would look like if we were actively following Jesus. If we were apprenticing after Jesus. If we were being led by the Holy Spirit. It says that our lives would be marked by certain things. And in Galatians 5, 22, it says the Holy Spirit which is what we receive as we, as we enter into this discipleship relationship with Jesus. It says it produces this kind of fruit in our lives. It produces love, produces joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and faithfulness and gentleness and self-control. So here's our checkup this morning. How is our apprenticeship to Jesus going? Are we spending time with Jesus? Are we becoming more and more like Jesus? And are we doing Jesus stuff in our worlds? And ultimately for me this morning, are our lives marked by love and joy and peace and patience and kindness and goodness and gentleness and self-control? If people were to describe you as a person in one word or in nine words, would they be the gifts of the Spirit? Now, in a morning with a lot of questions, a lot of examining and sort of journeying and what it means to be a disciple, I do want to leave us with one final question. Now, if you like, when I say one final question, I like asking questions. That's kind of my thing. But, but I do want to leave you with one final question. Whether we follow Jesus or not, wherever we are at in, in this sort of uh, this race of life, the question I would ask you is where is the direction of your race leading you? Where is the direction of your race leading? If you were to play out your following, 
whoever it is that you follow, whether it's Jesus or whether it's some other teacher, it's Oprah, or whoever it is, whoever it is that you follow, if you were to play that out, that trajectory out, I can't believe I just said Oprah, that's ridiculous. If you were to play that out, I'm just gonna release that tension because it was awkward, yeah. If you were to play that out, what direction does that lead you in? If you were to play out the growth in your life right now, where does that lead you? If you were to play out the decisions that you're making right now, where does that lead you? If you were to play out your development, where does that lead you? If you were to, to sort of watch the movie of your life and you sort of have this little thing and you just let the movie continue to play forward for 20 years or for 40 years or for 60 years, where does that lead you? You see, the difficult thing is a, is a good friend of mine had a powerful experience a while back with her grandmother. And her grandmother uh, said to her, uh, my life didn't turn out the way that I thought that it would. And I was just, I was so sobered by that thought, by that idea. My life didn't turn out the way that I thought that it would. And I thought for me, I, I don't know about you, but for me, when I look at the trajectory of my life, when I look out, when I look at the race that Jesus has marked out for me, the race that he's marked out for all of us, I don't want us to find ourselves in that place. That for me, that more and more, what I'm trying to live into is that I want someone to see me today. Sure, that's fine. I want someone to see me five years from now and go, I don't know what happened to that guy, but man, he looks more like Jesus. And when I'm 40, I, I want someone to look at me and go, man, that guy looks more like Jesus. And when I'm, it's the beard, yeah, it's mostly the, yeah, it's the physical look like Jesus. No, I mean the, the, the life embodiment and the physical, yes, the life embodiment. But when, when, I'm, when I'm at the end of my days, when I'm laying on my deathbed, when I'm talking to my grandkids or my great-grandkids or whatever that looks like, you know, I want, I want to embody more of Jesus. And for me, what that requires is it requires laying more of myself down in order to say yes to more of what Jesus has for me. And that would be my prayer for all of us this morning. So once again, where is the trajectory of your life heading?